Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Today we turn our hearts to you, the living eternal word. And we are inviting you now to speak to us out of the truth of your word, out of the truth of who you are. Come and be a now word today into our lives. Jesus, again, we are not simply interested in receiving more information today. What we are interested in, Lord, is being transformed more and more into your likeness by your word, by gazing upon you. So come today, Lord, and help us to listen well, but not only to listen, but to retain the word, and not only to retain the word, but to do the word, so that, Lord God, you might be magnified and glorified more and more this day and every day until you come. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. I'm Pastor Jim Olson. Uh, I serve here as the lead pastor at Bethel Christian Fellowship and the senior pastor of our Bethel family of churches and uh, have had the privilege of serving here now in my 24th year. Well, this morning, um, we are continuing a series uh, that we just began last week entitled Iraq, not to be confused with Iraq, but Iraq, which is a Hebrew word, which we'll explain in a moment. We're in our uh, final months of our uh, 2013, A Year to Engage. And uh, over this past year, the Lord has led us through a number of different uh, sermon series. Uh, We began with Kaleo and Calling. Uh, We followed that up with um, Apostello and Being Sent. Then we looked at Praxis and the motivational gifts of Romans chapter 12 and and, and how God has created us to function. Uh, This summer, we looked at Takeoff and a series of messages uh, related to... uh, Hebrews chapter 12 and what it is, the weights and sins that entangle and weigh us down uh, and keep us from running for our life, and so we looked at that. But as Pastor Sam and I, uh, Pastor Sam's our lead pastor of our Minneapolis campus in northeast Minneapolis, as we were praying together about this fall, really sensed the Lord bringing us back uh, to foundations. Um, As I just mentioned, um, I've been here now Uh, I came and began on April 1st, 1990, and have, and and yes, I am a fool for Christ, uh, and began here, I think that's always ironic, beginning here on April Fool's Day, but, um, you know, have loved and continue to love uh, the experience of, of pastoring this congregation. Um, When I came, the congregation was... Uh, at a point when uh, it had gone through some challenges and difficulties, and so there had been some hemorrhaging in the congregation of people and vision and sense of identity and destiny was gone, and there was there was really actually quite a bit of uh, underlying things that were pulling apart the congregation in various ways. So we began to pray, and um, for four years. Uh, We just spent time discerning and asking the Lord uh, for a fresh sense of identity and vision, who we are, where we're going. And out of that emerged uh, this calling to uh, radiate life and joy as a house of prayer for all nations. And kind of underneath that vision, uh, the Lord gave us eight principles and values 
to kind of be a, a stabilizing and foundational point for this vision. And so um, it is those eight um, principles and values that we are uh, going to be unpacking over these eight weeks. Uh, we began last week with uh, our first foundational principle and values, which is, somebody have it in your notes? Can somebody remind me? Sermon points for somebody who can remind me what our first foundational principle and value was. All right, Jeremy? Truth, okay. And what is the full, anybody wrote, write it down? Anybody get the? We will stand for truth. True to the word, alive in the spirit, that our um, our statement of faith is not simply words on a page, but it's actually living truth that we as a congregation are founded upon. And so we looked at standing for truth, and we looked at the issues of what is truth, and how do we respond once we understand and what truth is what we're called to do, called to submit to truth, called to walk in the truth, and then called to stand for the truth. So as a congregation, I want you to understand and know that we, we hold those two things very closely, being true to the word and being alive in the spirit. Like I mentioned last week, there are congregations that focus, um, and, and properly and rightly so, focus on the word of God and focus on orthodoxy and being true, yet that truth, when it is not enlivened by the spirit, can simply become dead orthodoxy. Other congregations, in their um, pursuit of the life of the spirit and the work of the spirit and the experience of the spirit in their life together, when that gets untethered from the word of God, can uh, easily sort of begin to digress and move off into, as you've heard me say many times, what I affectionately call the spirit of weird, okay? And so it can kind of move away from that orthodox truth and standing on the truth, the eternal truth of God's word. So we here as a congregation are committed to both of those things. And so um, in our life together, that is one of an essential part of our foundational uh, principle and values. All right, now, a rock means, so this is important for us to understand, a rock means to lay a foundation, it means to set in order, and it also means to prepare for battle. So it's a very active word. Foundations, when we think of foundations, we often think of that as sort of a passive thing. And we can sort of think of foundations as something that really aren't uh, very alive. They're sort of um, just stagnant and settled and sort of dead. But but we want to understand that these foundations that we're talking about are, are actually living. And and what they do is they help to set in order. They, they provide a proper orientation as well as they prepare us for battle. They prepare us for battle. So, so the, the word Iraq is often used in the Old Testament 
when it's describing Israel getting prepared, set and arranged in order, ready to go out into battle. So I want to emphasize that because as we come to the close of this year to engage, it's not that we're in retreat. Going to the principles and foundations doesn't put us in a posture of retreat. It puts us in a posture of preparedness to go out, to continue to go out, to continue to press out, to continue to press into the Lord, and to continue to press out into his purposes. So we believe that the Lord wants to reestablish our identity, not that we've really lost it, but it always helps to come back and remind, because how many of you know that most of us have really good forgetters. Does anybody else have a really good forgetter? Uh, my forgetter is improving all of the time. It's like on an accelerated uh, course, okay? And so we're coming back to re-establish that identity of who we're called to be so that we can continue to re-engage our destiny, what we're called to do. Because as a friend of mine has said, and let me remind you again, you've heard these phrases, but hear them again. When you know who you are, you'll know what to do. Get that down. Get that in your head. When you know who you are, you'll know what to do. When you don't know who you are, you won't know what to do. That's the corollary. When you know who you are, you will know what to do. If you don't know who you are, you won't know what to do. That's true on an individual basis. That's true on a corporate basis. So we're committed, again, as a congregation to understanding who we are in order that we can know what we are called to do. All right, so let's go on. Foundational principle number two is what we're going to be looking at this morning. We will establish our unity in our Christ-centered vision. We experience unity in the midst of diversity as we are fitted together in Christ. I mentioned just a few moments ago when I first came to Bethel as part of the the challenging time that we were in together as a congregation. One of the things that we had sort of lost sight of and and what had happened in the absence of of, of a you know, everybody sort of getting realigned and reoriented towards this Christ-centered vision, is other things had begun to tear us apart. And so one of the foundational principles and values that we needed to establish up front was that our unity would come in our Christ-centered vision. One of the key scriptures is found in Ephesians chapter 2, 19 to 22. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers. Paul is speaking here to a Gentile audience, and so for us here today, we, you know, all of us except for a couple of you here who come from a Jewish background, this is speaking to all of us. We are no longer foreigners and strangers, but we are fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together 
to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. I love that scripture. What an incredible picture. That we, no longer foreigners, strangers, fellow citizens with God's people, members of his household, built on the foundation, the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. Now it's interesting, when they were doing excavation, archaeological excavation in Jerusalem, they found one of the cornerstones of the temple. And the cornerstone that they found was 38 feet 9 inches long. Can you imagine 38 feet? What? Somebody tell me, how. what, what would that be? Let's see, if I'm doing, walking at about 3 feet, 3, 6, 9, 12, 15, 18, isn't this interesting? 21, 24, 27, 30, 33, 36, 39. So pretty much the length of the seats in the sanctuary. That's how long this cornerstone. That's how one, one stone. How many you know that's like the mother of all cornerstones? <laughs> Incredible. So, what, is a, what does a cornerstone do? What, what's the purpose of a cornerstone? Think about that for a moment. Mark this down in your notes. You can use the backside of the one thing to, there's a sermon note page there for you if you want to take sermon notes. Cornerstone has two significant, it's probably got others as well, and some of the architects in the house can talk to me about it afterwards and tell me more, which would be great. But two things that I do know that a cornerstone provides. One is it provides stability. It's something that gets built upon. So, so when you've got a 38-foot, 9-inch cornerstone, you've got something solid and stable to build on. The other thing that it provides is it provides orientation. So when the Bible talks about, you know, and, and it uses in, in, the, in the prophets, it talks about uh, the plumb line and, and the coming in and being true. What a, what a cornerstone does is it establishes what is true. And true is kind of that plan where it is both truth and it's also true is also that which is properly and rightly oriented and established and going in the right direction. Okay? If you get this, say yes. Okay. Got it? All right. Good. That sun is coming in. It's beautiful. More sleeping, sermon sleeping opportunity. All right. So, true. It sets true. If the cornerstone is off in any particular direction, it will begin, you know, it begins this much. If you're off by this much at the start, by the end of the time, it's going to be this much, right? Which is why it's important that the cornerstone be set true. All right. So, our unity here at Bethel Christian Fellowship 
is established in a Christ-centered vision with him as the cornerstone. Now let's unpack that quickly here. All right, so a Christ-centered vision. So here are the values that go along with having a Christ-centered vision. The first is this. We are vision-led rather than issue, opinion, need, or comfort level driven. We are vision-led. We are led by this vision of Christ rather than allowing issues and opinions, needs, or comfort levels drive us. Now, what are some alternative cornerstone or vision options? Because there are a number of them. What are some of the other options that you can center and build upon, even as a church? Well, one thing is you can build on the charisma or the competency of a leader. This is a particularly American phenomenon, but you see it, I've traveled a lot of places, you see it around the world, and, and oh, I go to so-and-so's church. Okay? Now, we get it. It's just a, a way of trying to explaining, and it gives you some orientation to say, okay, it's a, it's a well-known person. I go to that person's church. But sometimes underlying that, unknowingly or unconsciously, can become a way where, where that person and the personality, the charisma, the competency, the particular abilities of that leader become sort of the foundation cornerstone of the life of that congregation. I'm really grateful. I mean, I'm so grateful to be here. I've been here a long time. So therefore, you know, I have a certain level of influence. And yet, You know, many of you know, three years ago, I I went on a nine-month sabbatical. I was gone for nine months. The church didn't die without me. In fact, it thrived. Right? I don't have to be in the pulpit every single week. There's this opportunity. So, So this is something I take seriously and we take seriously. It's just not to simply build around the charisma or competency of a leader. A second thing that you can build around is a common culture. Okay? So, um, there are places that you can walk into, and this is not just true of, you know, you can, you, you can extrapolate this out into a lot of different areas, but there's places where you can walk into and you know immediately whether you fit or not. Okay? You know, you walk in and... Everything looks a certain way. You can tell socioeconomically. You can tell sort of, you know, there's all kinds of clues. And you figure out, or, or everybody, it's, you know, everybody's thinking the same way, okay? Everybody has the, you know, political season. Everybody's going to have the same lawn sign. Everybody's going to have the same, you know, everybody's going to be thinking because there's a common culture, Right? Well, that's not what we're trying to build on here at Bethel, other than the common culture of the kingdom culture, <laughs> but not a common human culture. Okay? Thirdly, you can build on community. Oh, man, I just, and, and this is, you know, 
I love this church, and I love the community that God has built here, okay? Because we really do love each other. I mean, we actually, we know one another, we care for one another, we love one another, we're part of one another, and that community is a very powerful thing. But if that's the foundation, the cornerstone is the community, certain things can begin to happen that start to tear that apart or can pull or stretch that or make that, right? If all it is is we just, we just really love each other. We really love each other until somebody steps on your toes. <laughs> right? Yes, Fred? Somebody step on your toes and then it's like, oh, wait a minute. A common concern, that can be a, you know, and whatever it is, it's, it's a concern if it's a concern for um, a certain segment of the population, a concern for a certain need, a concern for, you know, all of those kinds of things. Those can become, and, and whole organizations are built around common concerns, and that's, those organizations can be good in doing the things that they do. However, if that's kind of the thing that is the cornerstone that try to hold the whole thing together, common concern can't be it. How many think the last one will also be a C? Okay. A common cause. This can be a particular issue that someone is very passionate about. There are people here who have great passion for particular issues of need within our culture. That is a beautiful thing. That is a wonderful thing. We bless those common causes that can draw and unite people. However, if that's the cornerstone, if that's what you're building on, we're known as the church who... Here's the issue. They may all have value in certain situations, but if they become the cornerstone of vision then instability disorientation and disunity are inevitable you tracking this is really important this is vital to our understanding of who we're called to be One of the opportunities that we have coming up, and I want to encourage, it's in the bulletin, is the Coming Together Conference, uh, which is coming in a couple of weeks. We're coming together. Um, I serve on the leadership team of a multicultural cohort of leaders of congregations and ministries involved in ministry cross-culturally. And once a year, we put on a, um, a conference. And this year, our conference is the Gospel, Church, and Immigration. And uh, this is a vitally important issue, obviously very important to us as a congregation, very important to what's happening globally, but in America and specifically in the Twin Cities, and uh, would encourage you to go. And I love our, our uh, plenary speaker, uh, Leith Anderson, is one of my heroes, pastor of Wooddale Church for 35 years, president of the National Association of Evangelicals. What I love about him is that... He has always kept Christ at the center and the gospel at the center and the word at the center. 
And so this thorny issue that lots of people have lots of different opinions about, this concern that could tear community apart or all of these things, we're going to come back to the scriptures and the Bible and we're going to come back and we're going to learn together and grow together in this. And you're invited to come and see Karen Underwood. Karen, stand up for a second. If you're wanting to go, find Karen, uh, who's our leader for uh, the area of our immigrant refugee service ministry area, and she'll help you get a group rate. We got a group rate. We got a lot of people going. So you're welcome to come. It's a Saturday from uh, 8 to 430. Okay, let's keep going. Everybody, are you following so far? Okay. This isn't rocket science, but this is essential, okay? Number two, our second value is going to be rooted out of our, our next values, out of First uh, Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Okay, so here we have that same picture of the cornerstone the living stone, capital S, and us as the living stones being built into him. All right, so let's go on. We, here's our second value under our principle of a Christ-centered vision. We are willing to submit peripheral issues to the centrality of Christ. We are willing to submit peripheral issues to the centrality of Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. This is 1 Peter. This is connected to the passage I just read for you from 1 Peter 2, 4, and 5. And here is the important thing that I want us to understand. This, and Peter is getting after this. He's talking to a church that's in distress. He's talking to a church that's in challenge and difficulty. He's talking to a church that is facing all kinds of of, um, external and internal challenges. And he speaks to them and he says to them, What you need to understand, what I'm going to remind you of, and he builds this out of the Old Testament scriptures. He lays them out line upon line, stone upon stone, to say, I have a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. And he goes on and says that this stone has become even the capstone in some some uh, translations. It talks about the cornerstone being the capstone. It's both the foundation stone that... That, um, that serves for the stability and serves for providing the orientation. And it is the capstone. It is the stone that goes on the head of the stone. It's the, the word literally in the Greek is the head of the stone. And it is the stone that goes on the top and the bottom and everything else unifies and coheres in him and him alone. Hello, anybody? Is there, are there still people here? Okay. This is, this is helpful information. 
This is important to us in terms of transformation because he is the unique, chosen, and precious cornerstone slash capstone. He is unique. There is no one and nothing else in all of history, in all of creation, that can hold everything together except for Jesus Christ. And so, no other issue, no other peripheral things, we must let all of those go to their secondary place in order that the primary reality is that Jesus Christ is at the center of our life together. And then the other things, well, they're just layers. And on some of those things, there will be agreement. On others of those things, we may have different understandings and different perspectives. And you know what? It's okay, because we're going to submit those things to the centrality of Christ. All right. Two more. We're coming home. Our methodologies will be flexible and creative, while our message remains changeless. This is a third value under principle number two of the Christ-centered vision. Our methodologies will be flexible and creative while our message remains changeless. What is our message? What is the message that we proclaim? We are called to radiate life and joy as a house of prayer for all nations. What is the message? What are we radiating? What is the life? What is the joy that we are radiating? As it says in Psalm 34, 5, those who look to him are radiant and their faces are never covered with shame. Those who look to Him. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Our message that we proclaim again this morning is come and draw near to Jesus Christ because He is the living stone. So to a world that is looking for identity in so many different ways, so many different things, and they, people identify themselves according to so many different types of perspectives and thoughts and things that are important to them, we come back and we say to the world around us, come and draw near to Jesus Christ. He alone is the living stone and your life and my life will only find stability and find its orientation, its proper true orientation when it is found in Christ. Otherwise, it just doesn't make sense. Only Christ at the center. So come and draw near. Draw near to Him. All right? So, what's our methodology? Flexible, creative. Here's the methodology. Very simply, Exodus 19. 
Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Sermon points available for anybody who can tell me where does this get picked up in the New Testament? Who quotes this? No? Peter. Peter quotes it. Right. He quotes it in 1 Peter 2.9. He says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So here's the truth. Here's the methodology that God has chosen to use all the way from the very beginning of choosing his people, the people of Israel, to now choosing us as his church. The methodology that God has chosen to use is us. We are the methodology. We are called as a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. This is God's plan A, and there is no plan B, as He brings His kingdom into the world. It's through us who become a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a chosen people. So what does a priest do? As a chosen people, as a holy nation, as a royal priesthood, we speak to God on behalf of people, and we speak to people on behalf of God. This is like really simple. This is really elementary, but I don't know about you, but I forget about this all the time. I forget this reality. So the people who are around you at your workplace, at your school, in your neighborhood, in your home, wherever they are, those people as a holy priesthood, as a, the priesthood of all believers, you are called to intercede on their behalf to God. You're bringing their concerns. The person who's really crabby, who's, you know, whatever, you're at the, you know, I find that, I mean, I go, when I'm properly oriented in Christ, you know, I can go walk into some place, and if somebody, I can tell if they're really hurting, and I have an opportunity right then to be part of the holy priesthood of bringing the concern, the need, the woundedness, the hurt of that person to God. And perhaps, by God's grace, to speak to them a word of truth, a word of hope, a word of comfort, a word of help, a word of encouragement, a word of strength. That God loves you. He hasn't forgotten who you are and where you are. So that's the methodology, people. The methodology is we speak to God on behalf of people and to people on behalf of God. Still with me? All right? One more. The last value connected to the principle is this. Change is normal, continual, and expected. <gasps> what? I think, Martha, I think he said, change. Change. Yep. Change is normal, continual, and expected. Why? 
Because a living organism that has living stones being built into a living stone is alive, and one of the definitions of something that is alive is it is an organism that is continuing to change. Because one of the biological definitions of death is an organism that is no longer changing. For we are co-workers, Paul says, in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Christ Jesus. Do you get the picture here? Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? And where God is, there is life and there is dynamic. And part of dynamic is that there is change. It's just a normal part, an expected part. Love this. We are always in the process of being built. So we are ever-changing and growing and being transformed into a spiritual house. And this house is oriented by the Holy Spirit and reflects His character where God dwells by His midst. So we are constantly in the process of being built into a holy house. A holy temple where He dwells by His Spirit. We say this and I'm going to say it again. We exist for those who are not yet here. So the house isn't fully built yet. It's still being built. Just yesterday we had a wonderful doorway to ministry with some new folks who are here coming into the, into the house. And my reminder to them is, okay, so now you're being built into the house. Who, who's coming behind? How are you going to continue to draw in? Who, who else is coming in? And every person that comes into the house changes the house. Did you ever think about that? Every single person that comes in changes the house. Because a new stone has been added. A new facet. A new story. A new gift. A new ability. A new passion. A new talent. A new perspective. Every time a new person comes into the house, the house changes. That's why this mosaic, we use the term mosaic a lot, of many colored, many textured, many shaped and sized stones together. Together we keep creating together. God keeps building us together and establishing us together so that together we might reflect his face, his glory. being transformed into him. Do you get this? Do you see this? It works out very practically in terms of the things we do, the programs and all of that. Yes, change is normal, continual and expected in what we do and how we do it. But fundamentally, we're not talking about program here. We're talking about us as a people being built together. And I love that. And I love that about this house. We're not the same house as we were three years ago with our Himalayan Christian Fellowship meeting back here this morning. 
with the Korean Christian Fellowship. I'm going to be preaching to them this afternoon. Now 200 people in the Korean congregation, 75, 100 in the Himalayan congregation, the Oromo Christian Fellowship, the International Christian Fellowship, the Haitian Christian Fellowship, Bethel, Minneapolis. As God keeps forming and building this mosaic, we're changed, we're different. Aren't you glad? It isn't boring. It's beautiful because it's Jesus at the cornerstone, at the center. So this morning, I mean, this isn't a... Foundations aren't new stuff. (laughs) I'm not telling you new things that you've never heard. You're going, I wish you'd get onto something that I haven't heard about before. But we need to come back. We don't graduate from this. This needs to continually be roots going down to nourish us. Because we can easily, I can easily get disoriented. So let me say it again. Christ is the cornerstone. If you're looking to me for the cornerstone, I say this in all true sincerity, God help you. I am not your cornerstone. And I'm not the cornerstone of this church. If you're looking to a common culture, and boy, can we all just think and look and act and eat and dress and whatever alike, well, that train left the station a long time ago, all right? And if you're just simply hanging on to the community and that's what you're hanging on to, you know, it's good to hang on to one another. It's good to encourage one another and build one another up. And we looked at that last week, spurring one another on to love and good deeds. Yes, we do that. But if that's the foundation, it's not going to hold you. If a concern that's in your heart, if there's something you're passionate about and a concern, and if that's what's driving you or a particular cause is driving you, it's really hard to sustain. I've tried it. I've been there. I've done that. It'll grind you down and wear you out because that can't be the cornerstone of your life. Jesus be the cornerstone of your life. And let him nourish and do. Doesn't mean don't be concerned about things. Doesn't mean don't have a cause. But don't make that the center. Jesus only. Our simple response this morning is going to be to sing a contemporary version of a a great historic hymn. And as we do, I just feel like I just want us corporately to dedicate ourselves back. You know, again, this has been about reorienting ourselves as a congregation upon the rock, the stable place. Again, not because we're, I don't, this isn't because, this is prophylactic. In other words, this isn't about, we're not trying to correct something that we feel is out of sync. We're trying to establish and maintain and make sure that as we continue to grow and as we continue to expand, that as the, as the tent gets enlarged, that the, that the cords get lengthened and the stakes go down deeper. Okay? So that's what this is about. We're putting the stakes down deeper. And maybe this morning you've gotten a little bit disoriented. Maybe things have gotten a little unstable because you've been depending on other things. Tom was talking about earlier, you know, the the paycheck, 
that comes in each week. You're, you're depending on that, or you're depending on, and, and, and maybe recently some stuff has shaken that. This morning there's an invitation again to put your hope in Christ. Maybe you're here this morning, and some of this is like brand new, and you've never stepped into relationship with Jesus Christ. A living, you realize, I'm not a living stone yet. I haven't really surrendered my life to Christ. Well, today is the day of salvation. Today, he can be your cornerstone. Because you keep trying to do it on your own strength and in your own way. All I got to ask you is, how's that working? Probably not so well. So today is the day of salvation. If you want to come into relationship with the Lord, there's people right along front up here who would love to pray with you. Tom and Kathy are here. Denise, if there's, some, you know, if you just want to come and, and pray, receive Christ today. I encourage you to do so. Can we stand together? And we're just going to make this a, a, a corporate response today. So we're going to change. We're going to change the eyes to we's worship team. So we're just going to make this plural. But if you need to personally do some. Um, response work here at the altar. The altar is open again. It's always open. You just want to come and just reorient your heart to him. And then I'll give a benediction prayer after we sing this through. But let's, let's respond to this today. If we just open your hands. Lord Jesus, thank you for the simple reminder today, you are the cornerstone. And there is no other. And Lord, we repent of any ways in which we either, either individually or corporately have put anything else at that center place. We choose today to reorient, to come back to the rock. We choose again today to build our lives upon you. We choose today again to have our lives oriented in you. Now with hands open, may you be filled afresh this very day with the immeasurable love of God the Father, with the irresistible mercy and grace of Jesus Christ the Son, with the inexhaustible strength, power, comfort, and hope of the Holy Spirit be with you and yours as you go from this house to yours sent to make disciples of all nations. Go with the banner of his favor over your lives. And until we gather again, either in this house or in our eternal home, I pray that his love and mercy and goodness will chase you down every day of your life. For his glory.